0: Most of you know Tim Hendrickson, um, and if you don't, you're going to get to know him today. He was gone on the world race. He'll tell you a lot more about that, I'm sure, but the gist of it is 11 countries in 11 months, right? And so um, he's just all over the place, and they just show up in a country, and the people that are there say, we need you to do this, and that's what they do, and then God just shows up. It's amazing how that works, isn't it? Something so simple as that. And so we've asked him this morning just to come and share Um, He's got the whole time. I told him that no worries about that at all. You just take as much time as you need um, and just share with our church what God did, and then just kind of share with with the church where you are. So why don't you guys give him a humongous gathering welcome, Tim Hendrickson. Good morning, guys. So yeah, I'm Tim, um, and... I haven't met you guys, I'd love to meet you personally. But um, yeah, I just want to share about the world race. Um, got some pictures from my trips um, just on the slideshow. And so, yeah, enjoy. <laughs> so um, on my trip, I started in the Dominican Republic. Um, each country, we, we stayed there and lived there for one month. And um, in the Dominican Republic, I was able to come in contact and um, just meet um, and experienced the real world of sex trafficking for the first time. Um, so, in the Dominican Republic, um, our main ministry was teaching English to underprivileged kids, um, and they lived in this small city or village called Sinfuegos. And Sinfuegos was um, it was a really, really rough part of town. It was right on the outskirts of uh, the main city and it was right next to the city dump. And so a lot of the supplies and um, the money that the people made there was because they would get bottles and different things like that that they could recycle and get paid for from the city dump. Um, In the past past five years, Sin Flags has come a a long way um, from where it was. There's a um, mission organization there called um, Hope for the DR for the Dominican Republic, and they just got there five years ago, and when they got there, it was not safe for Americans to come in. Um, it was very, very violent. Um, people would get uh, robbed oftentimes, and, um, but luckily when we got there, the people had warmed up um, to God's love. Um, they saw these people aren't here to take from us. They aren't here to see what um, they can get from us. They're here to bless us and to love us, and so when we got there, we were welcomed with open arms. Um, it was really a humbling sight to see. Um, in the little school building that we were, um, the kids would come and see us, like before school would even start, and um, they would like, love, like, they would come and just grab our hands and pull us out of the building, saying, come come see our families. And um, So that's what they would do. They would literally come, <laughs> just uh, this gang of kids would run up to us and say, follow us, and um, so they would come, and they bring us to their families. Their families bring us in and just get up out of their chairs, give us their chairs. And these are, these are houses that are made out of basically spare pieces of particle, particle board, tarps, whatever they can do to make a wall to separate um, rooms and people. And then they have these little tiny plastic chairs, not much at all. And they would just give up their chairs, and they would stand, and they would sit us down, and they would um, hand their kids a little bit of money without us even seeing, and send their kids to go get us drinks and ice and just all these things and bless us with everything that they had. Um, and so that was just a very humbling experience, my first time seeing any hospitality like that. And it um, quite honestly put Southern hospitality to shame, but that's all right. Um, <laughs> And so, yeah, like I said, I, in the Dominican Republic, that was the first time that I came in contact and I was able to witness um, sex trafficking. Um, it's a very real issue there in the Dominican Republic. Um, on the World Race, the way it works is you work five or six days and you have one or two days off to rest or to go see the country, whatever you want to do. And so since we we're only about an hour or two bus ride from the beach, um, my team would oftentimes go to the beach. And, you know, this is in the Caribbean, so there's beautiful beaches there, very touristy beaches. And so we were going from spending, we would spend the week in just the the slums, seeing the worst of the worst, and then we'd go and uh, we'd be able to see these places that people pay thousands of dollars to go to each year. And um, a lot of the things that the people go to there for, besides the surfing, is for the prostitution. Um, We get get there, and um, and we, we would go to dinner, and the whole time, um, my friend Paul and I, we were just having a night out. We were wanting to go and bless these prostitutes once we realized it was a, pros- a problem. And so we would just be walking down the beach, and you would have these prostitutes who know um, very little English um, coming up to you and offering themselves to you for money. And it was a very hard thing to see at first, because you get there, and you don't, at first you don't know what to do. You don't know what to say. Like... God loves you, I don't know where to go from here, because I can't, it it was all new to me, and, um, but we just, we were just reminded that Jesus, he loved those people, he loved um, prostitutes, and um, so that's what we would do, we would just go love them, we would go have a conversation with them, and see them as a person, and not as a prostitute, and in that, you know, because we're obviously large white Americans, you know, we have all the prostitutes coming to us. And little did they know they were about to just be blessed immensely because we have love and light within us. And it was, <laughs> it was just so good seeing Jesus um, show up in that way and um, just provide our hearts with this love to pour out that was not of our own. Um, so there was these two girls that we were talking to. Um, I wish I could tell you their names, but it's been over a year now, so I can't. But I will tell you they were two very different people. One um, one had known God. Um, she grew up in the church. She was a very devout Christian at one point in her life, and um, she was a huge part of the church. She loved going to church, but she went through a divorce. Um, and in that during that divorce, she became bitter towards god, and after one mistake after another mistake, she ended up there at the beach selling herself because um, because she made a mistake that 's simply it um, but god wasn 't done with her God didn 't say you know, whatever. I don't want you anymore. He's, he still wanted her. He still pursued her daily. And he brought me and my friends there to, to tell her and show her that. Um, (laughs) It was so good. Um, So my friend, Paul, um, it was me, him, and then several girls that were on our team that had come with us. And um, we were staying in this small little hostel down the road and we were just telling this girl, like, it doesn't matter what mistakes you made. Jesus still loves you. God still wants you. He calls you his daughter. And he wants to bring you out of this because he has so much better for you. And, and she realized that. She realized this is the truth. Like, God, God still wants me. He loves me still. It doesn't matter that I've messed up. And so um, we offer, you know, we have, it's me and these girls, you know, and um, we'd love for you to, like, where are you staying tonight? And usually she would just stay in the streets or with whoever would buy her, you know. And we offered, you know, why don't you come and stay with the girls in their room? And she's like, yeah, I would like that. And um, so that's what we did. All the girls came and circled around her, prayed for her, and they brought her back to the hostel. And that that girl had a place to stay that night. Um, and that morning we ended up blessing her with breakfast, um... She was wearing just raggedy, filthy clothes. That was all that she had. And um, she said, you know what, guys? I do not want to go back to this life that I've been living, this, this life of prostitution. I want to leave that. Um, I cannot be in that anymore. I know that God has more for me. I know that God loves me. I want to return to him. And we said, that's no problem. And she's like, like we, were, we asked her, like, what can we do to get you out of here? And he said, well... I have family that lives in the capital, and if I could get a bus ticket there, you know, I would be able to stay with them. But I can't go looking like this. I can't. They would not take me in if I looked like this. And I'm like, okay, like we understand. And so, Paul goes and takes her and gets her brand new outfit, gets her bus ticket, and she she left prostitution that day. She left that lifestyle that day. And a lot of times. A lot of times when we bless people like that, we're worried. Like, you know, what if they're just lying to us? What if they're just taking advantage of us because they know that we're we're generous? And but that wasn't the case. Um, with we still have Paul still has contact with her to this day, and she's still living with her family. She's pursuing a new career. She's pursuing God. And if we had been scared that she was going to take the blessings that we gave out to go and just use them selfishly and just return back to the same mess, she wouldn't have been able to leave prostitution that day. And so you can't let, like, you can't let fear decide whether or not you're going to bless somebody. Um, Jesus, he healed the blind, and he told them, you know, go and sin no more. But is there a chance that those blind people went and lusted after women? After he, after he blessed them with sight, there's a chance that that happened, and Jesus knew that. And yet he blessed them anyways. He didn't let the fear of them going and using his blessing um, in a wrong way keep him from blessing him, if that makes any sense. And uh, so, yeah, don't let fear hold you back from that. Um, so after the Dominican Republic went to Haiti, and Haiti is just a very very, um, it was a dark place, which the world is. Um, You can find that everywhere. Um, What I really want to talk about is uh, just the different ways that I saw God provide. Um, There was lots of times where I was met with um, a language barrier where I could not um, communicate with the people that I wanted to communicate um, that night with the prostitutes on the beach in the Dominican, God provided us with a translator. Um, there so happened to be a Catholic guy staying at the same hostel we were who was a missionary, and he was from Mexico and lived in America. So he spoke perfect English, perfect Spanish, and he saw us talking to these prostitutes, came up to us like, hey, guys, can I help? Like, do you need a translator? And I'm like, yes, God saw that we were going to need um, what we were going to need, and he blessed us before we even knew that we were going to need it. And... Um, he did that all throughout the year. Um, there, was, um, there was nothing about this trip. There's nothing, there nothing that we can do without God. And I, saw, I got to see God show up in so many ways I never thought were, were possible. Um, things that I thought were too little for him to worry about. Things that I thought were too big that he would still do today. And um, so I just want to share a few testimonies about that. Um, in Guatemala... Um, so, it's really cool. Apparently, at a lot of churches, it's not nice to, um, wear shorts, and I didn't know that. <laughs> and so, I show up, you know, it's on the, I was basically living on the equator, like, all year, and so, I didn't bring pants, and so, I get there, and they're like, so, you have, you have pants for a church, right? I'm just like, uh, by pants, do you mean shorts? They're like, No, I mean pants, and I was like, okay, um, no, I don't. And they're like, okay, well, see if you can find some. And obviously, I am much larger than your average Spaniard. (laughs) And um, so, yeah, I was like, okay, we're going to need a miracle for this because it's hard enough for me to go to Walmart and find the right size pair of pants. And so in Guatemala, um, I was just roaming through the marketplace and they have all these, these used clothes up for sale. And I'm just looking. I'm just like, okay, let's go. Let's go see if I can find anything. And I didn't even have any money on me. Um, and I go into the store, and this sweet little lady comes up to me, and she's just like, like, oh, grande, grande. I'm just like, sí, grande. <laughs> it's like, it's like, and she like brings me over, and I'm looking at this um, rack of clothes, and I find this pair of pants, and I pull them out, and I'm just like, um, posible, <laughs> and. Uh, She's like, here, here you go. And she gave me these pants um, for free. And I'm like, I told her, I'm like, I don't have money. She's like, I don't care. It's, it's a gift. And I um, least I think that's what she said. She was talking in Spanish. And, <laughs> but <laughs> I stole pants in <laughs> Guatemala. No. <laughs> but, I um, know she, she was like, I don't care. Like here, you can have these. And not only that, but she saw a shirt this flannel shirt that I've been looking at before, and um, I didn't want it because it was 103 degrees, but she insisted, and so I'm like, okay, I'll take, thank you, thank you very much, muchas gracias, and, uh, <laughs> and so here I am with this flannel shirt that I'm probably never going to wear, um, and these, this pair of pants um, that actually fit, um, and yeah, miracle, crazy, I did not expect that. And turns out, I didn't even go to church needing those pants um, that month. Um, God had something else and bigger in mind, though, uh, because um, later, at the very end of the month, um, my team, we were in Puerto Barrios, which was basically the armpit of Guatemala. Um, All of the millions of chiquita bananas you see at, of Walmart come from there, and it's just very, very hot, very, very humid, very, very smelly, and, um, yeah, like I said, I didn't need, I didn't need the pants there, I didn't need the shirt there, but at the very end of the month, um, my friend Paul that I told you about, he ended up hurting his neck, and we had to go to Guatemala City, and Guatemala City is not like Puerto Barrios. It is very cold, well, I say very cold, but compared to where we were at, it was very cold. Um... We get to Guatemala City, and he goes to the doctor's appointment, and this other team, we go and meet up with them, and they are just doing what's called Unsung Heroes, which is basically they go and they look for new ministries that they can partner up with, and um, what they were doing that week that we got there was going up to this random mountain village that they heard was unreached by the gospel, and they planned on bringing the gospel. And I was like, awesome. I love Spontaneous Venture. Can I go? They're like, yes, but you need warm clothes. I'm like, well, I have pants and a flannel shirt. And awesome. So God provided for something I had no idea that I was going to need. And he's always doing that. He's still doing that today. And um, so we go up to this mountain village. We have no idea where we're going to stay. We don't even know where it is, really. We have not an idea. Um, we get in this car, and our friends start driving, And we show up to these mountains and into this mountain village. And we're just like, where is this place? And they're like, you just go up that road and you'll find it. I'm like, okay. And it was not very specific at all, but we'll go up this road. And sure enough, about 30 minutes later after driving down this crazy road, um, we start seeing signs um, saying that we're in the village that we're looking for. And we're like, okay, so here we are. Now, is this place unreached or not? And so, we saw, the first people that we saw walking down the road, we stopped and we asked them like, like who is the god of this village? You know, a lot of times, the villages in these remote areas, they have their own separate gods that they um, worship. And um, they told us um, something that didn't make any sense at all. And we're just like, okay. And we're like, so do you know if it would be safe for us to be able to, like, to camp here? And they told us, no, it would not be safe for us to camp there because the villagers would rise up, kill, and rape us. And I was like, okay, that is very extreme. All right, duly noted, thank you. And so we got driving again, and we found this church, and so apparently it wasn't unreached by the gospel, but um, God wasn't done using us because uh, we we were able to find the pastor of the church who was extremely kind, brought us in, was so excited to have us there, And um, he ended up finding a place for us to stay. Um, He ended up bringing us to church that night, and we had a six-hour prayer and worship service. Um, Up in this random mountain village, they fed us um, hot soup and bread, and uh, it was an amazing experience. It was just seeing them um, take us in so enthusiastically, and they were just so happy to be able to bless us. And... um, then they let us come up and speak all of a sudden. <laughs> and I was not prepared for that at all. Um, speaking in front of people is not my strength. Um, it freaks me out like crazy. But, uh, yeah, God's strength um, gets me through it. And um, something I don't want to do is let my fears and my comfort zone keep me from stepping into what God has for me. Because, you know, Holy Spirit's called Comforter. It's not called that for no reason. Um, a lot of times God has things for us, but to get, and he wants us to do things, but it's outside of our comfort zone. Um, and so even though what I'm doing right now, this is extremely uncomfortable for me, um, but I have the comforter and the counselor and the teacher living in me. And so, um, yeah, I, it's only in him that I have the strength to be able to do these things. Um, because it's him who does it. Um, uh, another thing that I, another way I saw God provide, this was a bit crazier, um, never expect to see him do something like this. Um, so in Guatemala, we went to a nursing home, and it was not quite as nice as the nursing homes we have here, but, um, it had the sweetest people that I've ever met in my life there. And, uh They all spoke Spanish, which I spoke very little of, except for this one sweet little lady who was not from there. She was from some country I'd never heard of before and spoke um, a country I'd never, I spoke a language I'd never heard of before. And she was the only one there that spoke that language. And so I'm sitting there trying to talk to this lady in my broken Spanish, and it's not working out, and I'm just like, Okay, God, she doesn't understand English, she doesn't understand Spanish, what do I do here? And I was just reminded, like, the disciples, the apostles, they went, and at Pentecost, they spoke in languages that they didn't know. And I was like, okay, like, all right, God, like, that happened in the Bible, Uh, the same Holy Spirit that did that through them is living in me, can I do that? And God was just like, yeah, you know, have faith. Have a childlike faith, you know, step out. And just, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this. Let's see what happens. And so I started speaking, and this, these words came out of my mouth. That I wasn't sure what they, what they meant. And this lady, you know, I'm just like, she's probably thinking I'm crazy. And she looks up at me, and she starts talking back. And I'm just like, okay. And then I said something else. And she shook her head, no. I was <laughs> like, okay. And I said, I said some other things that I have no idea what they were. And she shook her head, yes. So I'm just like, okay, God. <laughs> either she is senile or you are speaking through me right now. And either way, I feel like this woman's being loved. So I'm going to keep doing this. And so I did. And I believe that God loved that woman in a way and um, presented the gospel to her and just told her how, I believe God told her how much he loved her that day. And I don't know, um, maybe she was, you know, I don't know. But uh, later on down the road, I would have another, ex, another time to um, give this whole unknown languages thing a try. And that time, um, I, it was confirmed for me, like, God still does this today. Um, it was in it was in Laos. Um, for those of you who don't know, Laos is a closed country. They do not um, let people go around preaching. They don't. Um, it's very controlled. They don't like Christianity. They want to control their people and get all the money they can from them, and it's very corrupt. And so, yeah, we had to kind of be very careful um, while we we're in Laos, and. Um, But anyways, we were doing the Unsung Heroes in Laos. We were trying to go around and find different ministries there that we could partner up with in the future. And so we were staying in a hostel. Actually, it was a hotel. We were staying in a hotel. That was a very rare thing on the world race. Um, But, okay, so apparently outside of America, if you are privileged enough to have a car and things like that, then you're most likely going to be traveling. Like in Europe, they love to travel. They aren't scared to go to Africa and all these crazy places that a lot of Americans never dream of going. They just go because they want to see the world. And so there's backpackers and world travelers just literally everywhere. And so because we were staying in a hotel, um, I was able to meet a lot of these Europeans. And that was honestly one of my favorite, um, that was my favorite ministries, um, just because I was able to show them what a relationship with Christ looked like. Um, A lot of them grow up, and in Europe, uh, Catholicism is a huge thing, which there's nothing wrong with that, but it was just um, because it was forced down their throat as religion— that it was a problem because they had never seen a relationship with Jesus. They had only seen rules and regulations, do this or you're, go, you're going, don't do this or you're going to hell, do this so you can go to heaven. And they had never seen what a relationship with Jesus looked like. And so I loved just getting to know these people, um, showing them just God's love, grace, and mercy and um, in a way that they had never seen before. And so that's just what I was doing. Um, I was just talking to these guys from... Um, some country where they speak French. Um, and I do not know French, but they, they spoke French. They spoke a little bit of English, um, enough to where we were able to talk about, you know, bus rides and where they were going next, where they had been, stuff like that. But anytime I would try to tell them about Jesus and what we're doing here in this country, what we're, we've been doing the past year, they were just like, huh? What? Like, what are you? What are you saying? I'm sorry, and I'm just like, like, like I, how do I? How do I tell these people how much God loves them? How do I tell these people what Jesus did for them? And so I'm like, okay. So that happened in Guatemala. Like, Jesus, can I do this again? Like, can you do this again? Like, are you gonna like pull through like my weakness? Like, I don't know French, but you know French, Jesus. Like, can you speak through me? And it was just this childlike faith moment where I'm just like okay God like you can do this and so I opened my mouth and I just let words flow out and um it sounded kind of like French um to my surprise and um this guy he's just listening to me and he's just like "Uh uh-huh uh-huh and he repeated what I said I'm like so does that does any of that make sense? And he's like, Yeah, yeah. Like, Can you translate anything I just said into English? And he goes, Yeah, yeah. And, he's, and I said, Okay. Like, what did I just? He's, what did I just say, and he said, Peace and love. I'm just like, Whoa. Like, that is awesome. Like, God, you just did that. Like, I don't have to question whether or not this guy's senile this time because you know he, he seems pretty sane to me. And he speaks enough English to be able to translate the two words that he knew that I said from French to English, which was peace and love. Um, and so that was just a moment where I was like, okay, God, like, I cannot put you in a box. You are so much bigger than, than anything that I could ever, like, imagine. Um, and, like, I knew that in my head, but seeing God do these things that I was just frankly not Capable of doing, um, whether it was speaking in front of that church on a moment's notice, having no idea what I was going to say, whether it's speaking here today. Like I, this is so hard for me, guys. Like I don't, I don't know how to communicate how nervous I was and how scared I was of doing this. And there's, there's nothing that I can do apart from God's grace. Um, and so I just want to read a few scriptures to you guys. Um, because knowing what Jesus did for me, what, what Jesus did for all of us, that um, tells me who, who I am in Christ. Um, so Ephesians 1.5 says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Ephesians 5, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. I'll give you all time to flip to it. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 says, "...Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ." He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. And so, in Christ, we are children of God. He has made us children of God. He has brought us into his family. We are co-heirs with Christ. And you know, Jesus has given us, given us his Holy Spirit so that we could go out into the world and make disciples, so that we could go out into the world and love people, show them God's love. And so for us to be able to do that, though, we need to first know God's love. Um, the fact that he would take people that are messed up like me and you and redeem us, save us, and call us children, that is what God's love is. And he wants to do that with prostitutes. He wants to do that with European travelers who don't care about God. They they're just out there looking for a good time. He wants to do that with them, though. He wants to show them, I have so much more for you. And he wants to use us. He wants to, just, he wants to use us to do things that are way bigger than anything we could ever do. And uh, so I just want to be really clear. And, like, I'm standing up here and I'm, I'm saying, like, look what I did. Look what I did. Like, it's not what I did. This is what Jesus did. And I was just humbly, humbly, humbly used as a tool for him to go and show people his love Um, because guys, I'm just as messed up as any of you. Like, there were times on the race where I did things I never thought I would do, Um, things that I made mistakes that I never thought I would make. Um, But my identity isn't in those mistakes. My identity is in Christ. In Luke chapter 22, verse 32, um, this is where you know, Peter says, I'm, I will never deny you. And Jesus is like, Man, you're about to deny me three times. And he goes on to say, But I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. So Jesus knew that Peter was going to mess up here. Um, he knew he was going to make mistakes. But he said, When you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. He, was, he knew right then that he was still going to use Peter despite the mistakes that he made um, before Peter even made the mistakes. Jesus knows the mistakes that we're going to make, but he still wants to use us. We just need to turn to Jesus, stop looking at the mistakes we made, stop looking to the past, because the past is in the past, and Jesus' blood covers it all. And just look to Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And that's, um, that's what I want to do with my life. I want to seek first the kingdom of God because when I don't have direction, God's going to give it to me in just the right time. When I don't um, have the things that I need, when I don't have food, when I don't have clothing, God's going to give it to me. I just need to seek first the kingdom of God. That's a promise in His Word. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Everything that we need will be added unto you. And so... That's the problem that I saw in Africa. Um, that's the problem that I saw all around the world is we, did, we don't know our identity. That's the problem that I see in churches today is people don't understand who they are in Christ. They don't understand who Jesus um, has made them to be. Um, they, a lot of times people get their identity from the sports that they play, from the school that they go to, from the hobbies that they have, um, from their job, from just numerous things um, that... Um, they don't realize our idols in their lives, and because of that, they, that's where they get their identity from. Um, and so I just want to encourage you, like, your identity as a believer in Christ is a child of God. Um, and it's only through Jesus that we can do anything, because we will just fall flat on our face and go nowhere without him. He's the only one who can do it. Um, and so I just want to share a bit about... Um, what God has, um, what he's going to be, I guess where he's pointing me right now. Um, And just he's revealed a little bit to me about uh, what he has for me in the future. And uh, so I came home, and um, on the race, God had given me this dream of going and working in a coffee shop and just ministering, starting relationships with people that come in and showing them a relationship with Jesus, just like I did with the world travelers that I met along the way. Um, he wanted to do the—he he told me they wanted to do that in a coffee shop somewhere. And I was like, okay, God, like, that sounds fun. I, I like coffee. Um, and he's I'm like, how do I take steps towards that? And like, do I need to go to school? Do I need to— just go work in a Starbucks, what do I, what do I need to do here? And um, three weeks after I got back, I went to this conference with um, the people that I was traveling with, and um, there I was able to meet this life coach, um, and I was talking to her, I was like, so how do I take steps towards, towards this dream that God's put on my heart? And she's like, honestly, I think the wisest and best thing you could do right now is go find somebody who's already doing this, and go work with them. See what you like that they're doing. See what you like um, that they're not doing. And just go from there. I'm like, okay, that's pretty good advice. Let's, let's see what's out there. And so I, I walked out of the room. And literally 10 minutes later, um, these people walk up. And they stop right in front of me. I'm sitting in this chair. And they stop right in front of me. And they're just like, hey, man, Like, I meant to ask you. Talk talked to each other. Like, I meant to... Um, Talking to each other, talking about this coffee shop that's getting started in the Philippines, Um, I was like, "Well, like that's really cool." Okay, like I'm listening a little bit more, and they're like, they're talking. They're like, "Yeah, we want road racers um, to go and help run this coffee shop." And I was like, "I'm a road racer. I want to work in a coffee shop." And uh, (laughs) yeah, um, and. So I'm like, okay, guys, like, I don't mean to barge into this conversation that I'm not part of, but I'm pretty sure I'm supposed to be hearing this. Like, what's going on? They're like, yeah, man, like, um, they're opening up this coffee shop in the Philippines. They're working with this ministry called Wipe Every Tear, where they take prostitutes out of prostitution and show them God's love. They bring them hope, they sh- and they just bring them out of that darkness that they're living in, and they want World Racers to go and run it. And I just like, oh, awesome, because... Before I even went on the race, God had highlighted. He had pointed out the Philippines to me. I wasn't sure why. Um, he just, like, like, I would be walking down the road. And I would just walk by somebody, and they would be talking about the Philippines, and just catch my ear. I was like, okay. I would be watching TV that same day, and something about the Philippines would come on. I would be on Facebook, and the Philippines would be, like, all over my news feed. I'm just like, okay, God, I don't know why you're pointing the Philippines out to me. I guess I'm going to pray for them. I don't, I don't know. And then around the same time that he's pointing the Philippines out to me, um, he gave me this vision of just all the prostitution, all the sex trafficking that is going on there, and how he has daughters that are enslaved in the sex trade right now, who they don't know him. And, and the, <laughs> I do not even know this is going to happen. Goodness. Um, and God loves them so much. He wants to bring them to truth. He wants to bring them light and he wants to show them the way because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is light. And we have Jesus Christ living in us and we need to take this hope into the world because there's people out there who need it. (sighs) And so I had no clue what all God had for me in the coming year. I had no clue that there was going to be a coffee shop (laughs) opening up that would be working to bring hope to these women and (laughs) all of a sudden God points it out to me and he he tells me like this is where you're pointing the right direction this is where I want you going now go I was like all right God let's go and so (laughs) yeah um that's where I'm headed right now um in September, um, I'll be moving to Georgia to start training for long-term missions. Um, and after that, I've talked to the owners, um, the people who are putting the coffee shop in the Philippines. They own one in Wisconsin right now. It's kind of, um, it's kind of a church there. Um, basically, there's a very religious spirit um, in Wisconsin. It's just. Very religious people, people who grew up going to church because that's what they were supposed to do, not because they love Jesus. And so they're just there to show people a relationship with Christ, just like I want to do. And they're going to be putting this coffee shop in the Philippines. And I've talked to them, and they said, go finish your training with, uh, it's called CGA, the Center for Global Action. Um, And uh, go finish your training there. Then you can come up here, and we'll teach you everything you know about making coffee about community, because they are very much community-focused. They want to send brothers and sisters in Christ um, out into the world to um, bring Jesus to the lost. And after I get done training Wisconsin, I'll be going to the Philippines to help them um, in the coffee shop and um, whatever else God has for us there. And so, yeah, I just want to thank you guys for your attention um, and for just letting me come speak and share my heart And God's heart with you. Um, And yeah, God bless y'all.